Miracy. Everyone does not survive a bout with cancer and go into remission or whatever. People die from cancer. And so how do you rectify that with a purposeful cancer journey of faith? Hello, I'm Katie Valentine, and you're listening to Soul Savvy Business. I am a soul-minded spiritual entrepreneur, a Christian minister, and a New Testament scholar. Don't let any of that scare you. I support all paths to the divine, and I use tools such as chakras, dreams, and intuition to get there. On this podcast, we explore the intersection of business and spirituality. What do I mean by that? Too often, we separate our business selves from our spiritual selves. But in doing that, we don't leverage the full potential of either one. This series aims to help you fall in love with your own soul so that you can live your most fulfilling and successful life. On today's episode, I'll be talking with an author and life purpose coach who helps Christians impacted by cancer. But first... In every episode, I offer a tip around abundance and your spiritual journey. To practice abundance, sometimes we have to get away from thinking about money. While money is the most obvious form of abundance, especially for entrepreneurs with bottom lines, it's also elusive when we're hyper-focused on it, precisely because the hyper-focus can get us out of ease and flow and into anxiety and misalignment. So the tip for today is to sometimes Stop thinking about money and put your abundance focus on something else that comes to you with ease and effortlessness. For me lately, this has been practicing abundance awareness in my relationships. Friendships over the years, friends with whom I watch TV shows via Netflix, via teleparty, celebrating milestones. Friendships involve investments of time, of depth, of commitment, and healthy friendships flow with ease and grace, even with their ups and downs. This focus on abundance of relationships yields abundance that's immeasurable. You might practice abundance awareness in your relationships, but also in nature, in intangibles like your spiritual growth or your meditation. And this is one place where abundance begins. My guest today is Henry Dotson. Henry is an electrical and mechanical engineer, an engineering consultant, and a life purpose coach. His own unexpected diagnosis had a deep impact on his career and personal journey. By sharing his experience and his faith, Henry hopes to inspire others impacted by cancer to live their best and most purposeful life. Welcome to the show, Henry. Thank you, Katie. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here and you're doing such meaningful work. And before we get into that, I'm just curious, did anything resonate with you on the tip of abundance without paying so much attention to money? Well, yes, it did. I really think that that's part of the work that I do, that you have to appreciate those things that are not money related in order for, at least for me, in order for me to better work with my clients. And so I think that keeping that in mind gives them a better experience 
and I'm a better coach. So Henry, as you and I know, the Bible does talk about money and material wealth quite a few times. And for some Christians, this creates a lot of joy. And then for others, it can create a lot of conflict. And I know I've certainly worked with people in that space of conflict. And I'm just curious if your religious beliefs have ever influenced the way you think about money or the way you think about abundance. I've come to the realization that the things that are important in life are the intangible things. And so when it comes to money, it's the love of money that is the problem. It's not the money itself that's the problem. Right. And so I, I've i never really been a material person to begin with. Even when I was a child, I, things just didn't have that much meaning to me. What had meaning was the personal relationships and experiences I had with people. Money is important, but I was always mindful to try to keep it in perspective. And I appreciated more the abundance of the, again, the relationships that I had with people. And it didn't have to be Christian people. It just interacting with people and learning about them and them learning about me. Those are the things that I knew were more important than anything else. Henry, one question I ask each guest is what word or words you might use when you consider the divine? I know that you are a Christian, and so you might have some ones that are pretty familiar and pretty obvious to us, but I'd love to hear all about the different ways that you think about and talk about the divine. I talk about the divine with uh, my clients in terms of gratitude, in terms of trust, talk about the divine in terms of his faithfulness, Um, talk about the divine in terms of his providence, and that he is not surprised when they are diagnosed with cancer. Mm, Say a little more about that. Well, what I find when I deal with many clients is that they've never really had to lean on their faith as much as they have to when they get a cancer diagnosis. And so they really haven't really spent the time to deepen their faith enough to really understand and feel comfortable as they start this cancer journey. So one of the things that I try to bring to mind is that their cancer diagnosis is not a surprise to God. And in, in my book, I call it providential beginnings. And what that means is that God knew that you were going to be diagnosed with cancer at that very moment in time when it happens. And so he has already been um, orchestrating the circumstances of your life and the lives of others so that you would be prepared for this moment, whether you know it or not, that you are prepared for this moment, that he has um, given you or you have experienced things in your life and they will help you as you start to navigate this cancer journey. Tell us just a little bit about your own spiritual or religious upbringing and what that was like. Yes. Well, I was raised in the church. My parents started us a church as long as I can remember. We were members of a Baptist church in Los Angeles, Second Baptist Church of Los Angeles. And I remember that I gave my life to Christ at seven years old. And I'm sure at that time I wasn't really 
sure exactly what all that entailed, but I knew that I wanted to have uh, a relationship with with God based on what I had heard in church and with my parents. And so we were active in church. We would go to the—they had a program, they called it the Baptist Youth Fellowship. Basically, it was Saturdays, you'd get together with the other um, kids at church, and you'd do things on Saturday, and then, of course, there was church on Sunday. So we got involved with that. I think that really didn't start until junior high school, but we would go on Saturdays and then on Sundays. And so that was my upbringing until I went to college. And what about now? Has your spiritual religious journey taken you um, afar from that, or are you still immersed in in that same kind of church? Well, since COVID, <laughs> I really right. haven't done a lot with meeting because I have a compromised immune system. And so most of what we've been doing for the past two years have been online. So it's been a while, but we've been you know watching online and Prior to that, we were very active in the church. Uh, we we were involved in the missions ministry. So my wife and I have been to South Africa about five times and Ghana three or four times, and and we'd gone out and done missions work. So we were very involved with the church, and it developed the strong spiritual growth that I had, and it deepened my faith. Well, you mentioned before that when you're working with your clients, you assure them or offer them the insight that maybe God is not surprised at their diagnosis. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your own journey and how your own faith maybe was shaken or deepened during your cancer journey. Well, my story started in July of 2015 with multiple myeloma which is a form of bone cancer. It's, it's actually cancer of the bone marrow. I was helping a friend move some belongings from a, a storage unit in downtown LA to a, another city. And while I was helping, I pulled the muscles in my lower back with trying to move this, these boxes around. And so I went to the doctor just because my back was hurting. And my family doctor confirmed that, yes, you have pulled the muscles in your back and it's going to take about three months to heal. And she said, well, just as a matter of course, let's just take some x-rays and make sure that we'll thorough in our examination. And when she got the x-rays back, she said, something doesn't look right. And I'm going to order some more tests. And that's what she did. And then she'd order more tests. It just went back and forth for almost a couple of weeks. And finally, my wife and I said, we need to find out why we're going to all these tests. My wife said, yeah, I want to know what a urine test has to do with pulled muscles. And so the doctor said, well, I I think you have something else, but I'm not sure. And I said, well, how sure are you? And she said, well, I'm about 75% sure. And I asked her, well, if we don't hold you to it and your 75% is correct, then what do you think it is? And she said, well, I think you have multiple myeloma. And I'd never heard of it. So it really didn't register. The only thing that I knew was that anything ending in OMA probably isn't good. But that's all that I knew. So I asked her, 
well, what is that? And that's when she said, I think you have bone cancer. And that resonated. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bone cancer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. So the shock, it was not quite a strong shock because she was only 75% sure. And she said, well, you really need to go see an oncologist. You really need to go see a specialist. But in that moment when she said, I think you have bone cancer, it was probably no more than 30 seconds, but it seemed like it was much longer. And all these thoughts came flooding back into my head. And they were thoughts of past sermons that I had heard many different pastors over the years. But they all kind of melded together, and the message was simply, what are you going to do when you get that diagnosis that you're not expecting? Uh, You you get a bad report. Who are you going to trust? In whom are you going to trust? And are you going to lean on your faith? It's easy to do so when everything is going okay, but when things aren't going okay, who are you going to trust, and how are you going to act? And so that came into my mind, and I thought to myself, I'm having that experience right now. But the next thing that hit me, which was totally surprised, I had this overwhelming sense of gratitude. And that's not something that I would have expected would have happened. And the gratitude came in the sense that I started thinking, I'm so glad that I have a support system that will help see me through this like they have in the past. And I'm so glad that I recognized that I was not in control. That's the first thing that kind of hit you. You're not in control. But I was grateful that I knew who was. And so I was grateful to know that God had not left me and that he had provided for me to be able to go through it. So that was my introduction to the possibility of having bone cancer. So it sounds like during that journey, and thank you for sharing that, um, so, such a deeply personal journey to share, but it sounds like your your faith was established and that you were able to lean into that maybe in new ways? Yes, and lean into it in a deeper way. And I found that that gave me some sense of comfort. I won't say peace, but it did give me some sense of comfort that I could face this because I knew I was not facing it alone. Mm. And I'm curious, as you've transitioned from patient to coach and doing the kind of spiritual coaching that you do in a really tender spot, you know, in people's lives, too, as they're going through this journey, I'm curious if you've ever had any conflict or maybe pushback from others about being a coach that charges people that you enroll or people that you're working with for your services. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I did have a little, I don't know that I got pushback from people, but I had some conflict in my mind about it because it is a tender spot and, you know, cancer treatment is not cheap. So asking that someone would pay for something at that moment, that was something that I had to resolve in in my mind. And um, the way I got to the point where I am, where I charge without feeling uh, uncomfortable is I was actually asked by someone else. They said, well, how did you get through your cancer journey? And I explained how I leaned into my faith and the things that I learned about that. And then the question was, how do you think it would have been if 
you didn't go through it that way. And that made me think about, boy, if I didn't have my faith in there, I'm not sure exactly how this would wind up. And so they asked, well, then how much do you value your journey in terms of learning how to lean into and experiencing your faith? And I said, well, I found it invaluable. And so the question was, well, then if you know it has that much value, then what do you think the value would be to someone else who needs it? And if that's what you have to offer, and there's going to be some cost associated with it, because you can't just spend your time without being compensated, you are bringing value into the situation. And the other thing is that kind of cinched it for me was they said, how much would you have been willing to pay to get Mm. what you have? knowing what it does for you. And plus what I'm charging compared to what things cost for care is is minuscule. Right. I was going to say, you're you're probably the most affordable part of a cancer treatment plan. (laughs) Well, I just love the work you're doing and that abundance journey that you described, because I know that all coaches probably struggle with how to charge, what to charge. And that's just a journey that I think people have to undergo. But especially those of us in the spiritual arena, it can feel like a little bit of sandpaper kind of beneath our feet when we're first (laughs) starting out in that reconciling that. So I love that journey that you went on with yourself. I think the other reason why is because it has the spiritual aspect to it. Most of the time when people get that type of help, it's in the form of ministry. And ministry is free, typically. Yeah. So you had to separate that I may be ministering to people's needs, but this was not ministry. I've gone through the same journey because since I'm an ordained minister and the work I do in coaching is not a ministry. I do that in other spaces. Right. This is a coaching service and it's quite different and it feels quite different. And just for all those listening, um, while people receive ministry without cost, generally, it's never actually free. <laughs> There's <laughs> always, yeah, right? Like pastors still have to eat. They still have to right. be compensated. The churches still have to run. So like, there's always money going on. It's just in the background. Right. So, yes. And thank you for making that distinction. It's so important. So Henry, you work with clients who've been impacted by cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey you help them go on? Yes, Katie. I didn't really share as much of my journey, but when I was initially diagnosed, I actually had to travel to Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Chicago. And at that time, the admitting oncologist said, 90% of your marrow is cancerous and your kidneys have failed and you're anemic. And so it's a miracle you even survived the flight from Los Angeles to Chicago. And so that was the real moment where I recognized you know, something is going on here that is much bigger and I've got a journey ahead of me. And uh, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it because he said, this is an aggressive cancer, so we have to treat it aggressively. So I had gone there for a six-day evaluation with my wife. And he said, we're not going to do the evaluation. We're just going to admit you right now. Oh, my goodness. And so two hours later, I was in a hospital bed delirious on chemotherapy medication. So I really didn't have time to do much processing. And what started out as a six-day evaluation turned into a 33-day stay in um, 
uh, being cared for before I could return to Los Angeles. And so uh, to make the long story short, by November of 2016, I was in full remission. My um, kidneys had been restored. I never had to go on dialysis. My anemia had been addressed, and they couldn't find any cancer cells in my marrow down to parts per million. They just said, it's, it's gone. Wow. And I have been in remission ever since. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. And so as a result of all of that, it was, that was the experience that uh, transformed my um, direction a little bit in terms of what my life purpose would be. And I realized uh, through spiritual, I had you know, conversations with God and just praying about it. He said, part of the reason I spared your life is so that you could give a testimony to others and let them know that you serve a living God and that he's still in the miracle-making business. And so you need to share your story. So that's why I wrote the book with my wife. She co-authored the book with me. And after I finished the book, I thought, okay, I've done my, my duty. I, I heard his word and I was obedient and I wrote the book. I'm done. And he came back and said, well, no, <laughs> now that you've written this book, there are going to be many Christians who read it and are going to be inspired and encouraged. And they're going to want to um, deepen their faith as they go through their cancer journeys and they won't know how. And so I want you to be one that can help them to discover how to travel the purposeful cancer journey of faith. So I want you to prepare yourself to do that. And so that's why I got certified as a life coach and focusing on life purpose. And that's why I opened up the, the business that I do. When you're working with a client, what's the journey that you all go on together? Are you providing one-on-one -on -one sessions for them or helping them with the big questions? What's What does that look like? Yeah, so we, I do either one-on-one -on -one or group coaching because okay. um, cancer impacts not just the patient, but the caregiver, their family and friends, and, and anyone who has decided to accompany them on this cancer journey. So it, it affects the body, mind, and spirit of everyone who's involved. Of course, those others are to a much lesser degree, but they are impacted. So the coaching is around that. So when I offer my fee, I say, this is the fee for you, but you can invite up to three guests at no extra charge. And the same thing in the, in the course and in the workshop. It's, it's, I mean, when they, if they decide to do a program, it's a little bit more because there's more work. But it's, it's important that everyone who has decided to travel that journey with the patient, they're all on the same page. So that's how that, that coaching takes place. Well, I love that you involve family members and caregivers in this process, too, because I, caregiving is hard work. Yes, it it's is. really hard work, and it's, it's sometimes overlooked. So I, it's just wonderful that you look at the entire system of care. Well, yes, it turns out that, that caregivers need almost as much attention as the patient because it's not only a lot of work, but it's also a lot of responsibility. Right. Because the caregiver is the one, and oftentimes they have the, um, the healthcare power of attorney, so they can make healthcare decisions on behalf of the patient when the patient is unable to make them themselves. And they tend to be the ones that will accompany them on their doctor visits. 
So they have privy to all their information. And so they're doing a lot of, of work that's above and beyond what they normally do. Right. I'm so glad that Henry spoke about caregiving as part of his offering. Caregiving is really hard work, and caregivers often minimize their importance and their own self-care. This is natural in some ways because caregivers tend to think, well, I'm not the one who's sick. But caregivers also pick up twice the household labor, minimum, a ton of emotional labor, and oftentimes a lot of physical labor too, just helping the person who is ill. Since we tend to live in much more isolated ways than our ancestors, sometimes the village just isn't there to pitch in and help out. I know in my own family, I watched my grandmother get worn out with seven years of care for her mother when she was declining with Alzheimer's when I was a teenager. When I myself was sick just for one month with a bacterial infection several years ago, I watched my spouse take on a lot of extra responsibility while I was healing. This is a note for caregivers. You need breaks and you also need people who can care for you. When someone asks how they can help, give them a super concrete answer like go to the store, vacuum the floor, or watch the kids or the dog for an hour. They will appreciate being given something concrete to do and you will definitely appreciate the respite care. Caregiving is not only a huge responsibility emotionally, but also spiritually. To be sure, Many caregivers report that they would not trade the time that they spent caring for their loved one for anything. And this can be a time of serious spiritual growth and expansion. When our limits get tested and our boundaries can expand to accommodate doing things we never thought we would have to do, we can find new resilience and new opportunities for our soul development. And at the same time, caregivers' reserves can get taxed and they may find their nerves a little more frayed than usual. That's why services like Henry's are so crucial, and I'm thrilled to see his holistic approach to coaching through this cancer experience. Well, tell us what your biggest challenge has been as an entrepreneur. I mean, especially an entrepreneur in this, like I said, this very tender area of specialization that you're in. What, what has been the biggest challenge? Well, the biggest challenge I think is, is I'll say marketing in the sense of reaching out to people that I haven't established a relationship with. So one of the things that we talked about is, well, there's cold calling and, and warm calling. Cold calling is tough because it is such a sensitive area that you know you can't just go to someone in a networking uh, situation and they say, oh, what do you do? And you say, oh, well, I help people going through cancer. Do you know anyone that's right. going through, you know, you just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can't You don't do want that. a profiteer on their pain and the, yes. <laughs> and what I found is the best way is simply to share my story. And then it gives me the credibility that I know what I'm talking about. And then having written a book about it, that also adds to the credibility of what I'm doing and and that then makes people feel more comfortable. And I just say, well, then if you happen to know anyone that you think I might be able to help, then feel free to get in touch with me. It strikes me that like what you do is very bold, but also very gentle uh-huh. at the same time, which is to do this, um, you know, cancer journey coaching. I mean, it seems like such a niche and a needed niche. 
But then you have to find a way to talk about yourself in a way that's inviting, but also authentic and genuine. Right. So, yeah, that seems to me like a spiritual journey, even on its own. Well, it is. And the foundation of that is all faith. Because your faith is what allows God to operate in that situation. So if you haven't developed the level of faith where you trust Him and believe Him, then He's limited in what He can do. And that was the situation with Jesus, because when He went to His home city, He couldn't perform many miracles there because the people just didn't believe. They knew Him from before. And they say, is this Jesus, the carpenter's son? And they had very little faith in him. And because of that, he could do very little. But it was in those places where he was outside of that that sphere of people that knew him that put their trust in him you know, wholeheartedly, where he was able to do all of the miraculous things that he did. And actually, cancer experts have known that faith has the greatest impact on the outcome of any cancer journey. They've seen that empirically, that people who are people of faith and people who have that trust and good attitudes, that their outcomes are far better than people who do not. So when you're dealing with a cancer, the first place to start is to kind of do a check on how how strong is your faith. I think this might lead in really nicely to a conversation that I often have with guests uh, on the podcast, which is about alignment. And is that a word that you would that you would use in your own journey, like being in alignment? Most certainly. We actually have developed a cancer journey roadmap, if you will, with the points along the way. And there comes a point in the journey, which I call the ordeal. And the ordeal is the the greatest challenge in the journey. This is where maybe life or death will happen, depending on whether or not you get through this ordeal or not. It's the most difficult thing physically that you're going through with your cancer. And so it's at that moment, and you're also in what I call the valley of dependence, where your Mm. dependence is on God, that, that you have to entrust your life wholeheartedly to God, because you know that there's nothing that you can do. And if anything's going to happen, it's going to be because of Him. And if you do entrust yourself in body and spirit and mind to God, then what happens, I believe, is there is an alignment of your will with God's will. And once that happens, then he is able then to imbue upon you his will. And that, that, in, that causes you to have that renewing of your mind. And when that happens, uh, that's when the supernatural healing can take place. Thank you so much for that. It's all really, really helpful. And I wonder if we can talk for a moment about cancer journeys that don't end in remission or healing or stabilization. Right. Because some cancer journeys do end in death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean someone's not in alignment or that they don't have faith. And I'm just kind of curious how you approach that in your practice. Everyone does not survive a, a bout with cancer and go into remission or whatever. People die from cancer. And so how do you rectify that with a purposeful cancer journey of faith? And so what I'd share with them is that A purposeful cancer journey of faith is not a guarantee 
that you are going to be healed or you'll survive it on this side of eternity. But what it does for you is that it allows you to live out your life's purpose as you approach the end of life. Because as long as you have breath in your body, God has a purpose for you. And part of your purpose is to show other people how you're walking in faith. You know, as you approach the the end of your life here on earth, people are are looking at you to see how how are you going to make your way through that. And that becomes your life purpose is demonstrating your trust and faith in God. So, you I say that you know, you may not get your healing here on this side of eternity, but you will receive your ultimate healing on the other side of eternity when you'll get that immortal body that will never die. And so if that's what you believe, then as you approach it, you won't have the anxiety or the fear. Thank you so much for bringing in that perspective and for saying that, because I I know so many people who may feel like death is a failure. Mm Mm-hmm. Or that not going into remission is a failure. Right. When in reality, so much healing can happen in the dying process. Yes. And so I think that as someone is traveling down that path where cancer is going to be the terminal illness of their life, that if they focus more and more on what God wants them to do, then I think that they will find that that peace as they, they travel that path. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And It's just bringing me back around to the intangibles you were talking about of relationships Mm -hmm. and of of your faith journey and that you were practicing that even when you were at your most ill. Yes. And what what a testimony to your own kind of strength of faith and character. Well, I think that to do this type of work, um, you have to have experienced it yourself. You can't, you can't tell someone about a cancer journey if you haven't been on one. Right. And and you can't tell someone about a deep faith if your cancer journey was not life-threatening. Cancer patients desperately want to be heard, and they want to feel as though they have some understanding in the decisions that they're making about their treatment and care. Thank you so much for all of this and for the work that you do. I think it's just amazing. And before we wrap up, is there any advice or wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners? Yes, um, I would like to say that um, in all likelihood, someone who's listening to this podcast either has cancer or knows someone who has cancer. And what I would like to say for them is the best thing that you can do is to reach out and be in community with each other. It's in community where healing takes place. And the same thing with their, for their caregivers and the people that want to help. And again, from my own experience, as I said, we were 33 days in Cancer Treatment Centers of America, 2,000 miles away from any people that we knew. And so my wife created a secret Facebook group, and she asked for people that we knew to pray for me. And she also used it to post so that they would get updates on what was happening to me so she wouldn't have to repeat herself because she had to focus on my care. And that became our what we call our Facebook prayer team. And over the course of those 18 or so months, 
It grew to over 225 people in eight countries and across three continents. And I know that the power of prayer was part of my healing. So I would encourage others to seek out that support. You were not put here to go through these things alone. And so seek out the support that you you need in order to make it through this, this life crisis. Thank you so much. And I know people are going to want to be in contact with you. Can you tell us where people can find you? And I think you have a workshop coming up. So make sure you tell us the details of that too. Yes, I have a workshop coming up. It's a one-day workshop and it's on a Saturday and it's the full day. It's from eight to five. There's an hour break for lunch, but it's an online, so you don't have to go anywhere. (laughs) And so this is an introduction to this whole concept of a purposeful cancer journey of faith. And it talks about the transformation framework that you need, which we talk about all the different parts that you need to make this happen. So that we're doing two of them in the month of March. We're doing one on Saturday, March 11th, and the next one two weeks later on uh, March 25th. And so In addition to that, we will be doing a three-day course on it, which we really get into it a little deeper, and that will be taking place April 19th, 20th, and 21st. It's uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we have a website, ourjourneysoffaith.life. So it's not .com or .org, it's ourjourneysoffaith.life. If you hear this and it resonates with you and you think that this is something that you need, then I would say go to the website. And that's probably the best way to get in touch. Awesome. I know people will be visiting. And thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Well, you're very welcome. I'm Katie Valentine. You've been listening to Soul Savvy Business. Soul Savvy Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes shows such as Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Melissa Deal and Cynthia. Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer. And post-production is by Post Office Sound. To make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Soul Savvy Business, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you liked the show, please give us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we will see you next time.